This is Abnormal Entertainment. Daniel G. Garza, and this is Put It Together Conversations podcast. It is 5 o'clock on Saturday, so thank you for joining us. If you are uh, wanting to be part of the conversation, remember, you've got to go into the actual thread of the conversation. Any comments, questions, I will let our guests know today. And I'm excited. Uh, I'm always excited. I, I really love what I do. I really love doing uh, my shows. Let me open my page so I can see some of the questions that come in. Uh, today's guest, let me start off by reading his file. Uh, Stephen J.F. Walker, born in Victoria, British Columbia, Canada, November 1963. Uh, from 63 to 66, he was in Victoria. From 66 to 69 in Vancouver. 1970, when I was born, not to say that you're older than me, but I just want to throw that in there. Uh, okay. He was in London, uh, Ontario, in 1971 in Ottawa. Uh, 1972-1983 back Chilliwack, is that how you say that? That's right, yeah, Chilliwack. Chilliwack. Uh, 1973 to 1982 in North Vancouver, West Vancouver, Victoria, uh, and then 92-94 in Japan. Oh, that's pretty cool. Uh, 1994 to 2020 in Brisbane, Australia. And he started acting in 1983 at the Arts Club Theater Summer Program. In 1984, Alice Bruhansky Theater. Studio yeah. in 19, from 1985 to 1987 in the Vancouver Playhouse Acting School from 87 to 89. He did two episodes, three theater credits, and one commercial. Uh, then he left the industry in 1989 and moved back to Japan. He married there and immigrated to Australia. He's got two daughters. And 2009, he played Berwon in Love's Labor's Lost and got the big bug again in 2019 uh, after his daughters finished high school. So he started acting in March. Uh, he separated from his wife now. And in July, he went full-time with acting uh, all through 2020. So uh, he re... What is it? Re, oh, re, 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 to get it and to pursue his career. There you go. Don't be using those big words. I'm, Sorry, still too Mexi- I'm still too Mexican for that. How are you doing, sir? Really good. It's been a, it's been a wild week. It's been an interesting ride since getting back here. 
at the end of June, you know, the two weeks in quarantine. Thankfully, I'm an introvert, so that doesn't bother me too much. It's sort of like what people, <laughs> <laughs> which is kind of weird considering I'm an actor, but um, yeah. Where's it? We, oh, sorry, there we go. Um, we already got some people watching. Hey, Chris and Estella, oh. thank you for joining the show. Hello. Remember, if you guys have any questions or comments, uh, jump in and join the conversation. Yeah, to tell you all the story of how we met, sorry, let me turn this mic a little bit. Um, Stephen and I are we're, are with the same acting coach, uh, John Swamback. Hi, John, how you doing? I tagged him. I tagged him on this to make sure that he watched. Uh, but uh, there are some amazing actors in that group, and uh, Stephen, uh, I was already in the group. I think when you joined, right? Or yes, were you were. Yeah, I, I was already in the group, and. Uh, not only are you a great actor, but you're also a great writer, and you you wrote some stuff for yourself, and I approached you to write uh, a scene for me, and you actually wrote a couple of scenes that we did together, yeah. and um, yeah. so those are on YouTube. I, if they're not, I will find them and put them on YouTube so you guys can see them, but he wrote a breakup scene that we did together, <laughs> and uh, where he leaves me, and in there started this... Romance, <laughs> this long love affair. I feel like we're we're the new version of Greece, like Australia and America together. Like you're the one that I want. The one I want. I knew that my courage to sing along. Um, but uh, I, I'm, I'm so glad that you're here. Thank you for coming on the show. Oh, it's great. Thank you for inviting me. Yeah. And cool. uh, so, um, how have you? Um, Survived. I mean, we're we're really like I feel like at this point the lockdown, either you 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 handled it well or you're just going berserk. One of the two. But uh, how have you been? It's it's been interesting for me because I um like I said I, I'm an introvert, so being you know sort of isolated doesn't bother me too much. Um, and in fact, when I was in Australia, I moved out of one house and into another. There was a two week lag between the two of them, so I just put myself into isolation. It doesn't really bother me. Um, I think, though, that what I'm finding is that now that in B.C., where I'm living in right now in Canada, we're going through another series of restrictions. And uh, it wasn't too bad during the summer because, you know, it's summer, it's bright. It's, you know, the, the day starts at 7 a.m. and finishes at 10 p.m. And so, you know, that kind of restriction wasn't too overwhelming. Now that we're getting into winter, you know, the sun rises at 8 and, and it's down by 5 p.m., by the time we get to the, you know, the winter solstice, it's up at eight and down at four. And if it's a rainy day, you know, you don't see sun for more than six hours a day. Wow. So, and I think that's, um, that's not bothering me, but it's just, it is starting to, this is starting to weigh on me a little bit. Um, having said that, I've been very lucky because um, I am able to do a lot of acting classes, whether they're Zoom sessions like we do with John, or um, I'm doing a class that runs out of the, out of the UK. I do that twice a week for three hours um, each time, and that's 11 till 2 on Mondays and Thursdays. And then I've got, they've actually opened up a couple, uh, one of the studios here in prison, in Vancouver, I mean. <clears throat> Excuse me. So I'm able to go in there and do that. And I do that two or three nights a week, as well as some voiceover classes. So I've been quite, kept quite busy with um, acting classes and things like that. So that's been making it easier. That's Having said that, you know, we're coming up to the, to the break. It'll be interesting to see how the mental health fares as I go into a period where I, I don't have much that I can do. Yeah. So I am learning French and Italian and guitar, so hopefully that will. Wow. 
you know, well, you know, you gotta, you gotta pad out the resume a bit. And I love languages. Um, on my time that I spent in Japan, I learned Japanese um, to a reasonable degree, enough to get me into trouble and not enough to get me out. <laughs> That's all you need. That's like when, going, when you go to Mexico, baño, cerveza, and... Cerveza, por favor. Telefono, and that's all you really need to know. That, that'll save you. Well, um, and I, I want to take that little just to let everybody know, like if you're out there and you're struggling and things are difficult for you, please reach out to somebody. Reach to, uh, to us here at Little Mexican Productions. Uh, we've got a list of resources for you, whether you are depressed, suicidal, um, anxiety, anything that's going on, please reach out to Little Mexican Productions and we'll make sure to connect you with the right people. And all, for all the uh, entertainers, actors, singers uh, out there, there are tons of resources. Let me tell you that uh, coaches and teachers have gotten really creative in the way that they're providing classes for us. Uh, so if you need uh, some lists or some names of where to go for uh, coaches, uh, also reach out to us here at Little, Little Mexican Productions and we'll connect you with that. John Swanbeck, my coach, is really excellent. Oh, anyway, well, great. I'm hoping to have him on in, 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 in the show at some oh. point. So John, if you're watching this, you're, you're next, buddy. We're going to get you on here. Um, but let's get started with you. Uh, Stephen J. F. Walker, tell us how you put it together. Well, and it, it's interesting, you know, I get a lot of people ask me, why J.F.? You know, why Stephen J.F. Walker? And it, it's a good one because uh, I was named, John F. Kennedy, I was born on November 1st, 1963. J.F. Kennedy was shot, I think, on the 21st, and I was named on the 22nd. So my name is Stephen John Fitzgerald Walker. Oh, wow. Um, now, interestingly, uh, as an actor, I couldn't have asked for better SEO than having that name because if you Google search my name, Stephen J.F. Walker, I am the only one. Nice. The first page of Google is me. Nice. So I like, just, yeah. So Yeah, no, yeah. And I, I say that because as an actor, like you, you realize, yeah. like I, I, I think we talked about this at one point. There are several like influential Daniel Garzas. Uh, there's a politician, there's a tennis player, there's even some psycho dude. Um, not me, another psycho dude. <laughs> not me, yes. They're like, you? No. Um, but if you do Daniel G. Garza, it's, it's me. It's the only one that comes up. That's so, great. Yeah. And, yeah. and how good is that? If, so that's so just, just a bit of background on, on why I'm always Stephen J.F. Walker. <clears throat> Excuse me. But going back to, you know, your comment about um, mental health and stuff like that. And, um, you know, and, and a lot of people are, you know, suicide rates are going through the roof right at the moment because of COVID. People are having a really hard time. And I had a personal story um, that I'm going to share with people. Um, in Vancouver, people may or may not know, but there's a, a very large bridge that goes from sort of north, from Vancouver proper into the North Shore. Um, and at the apex of the bridge is a 61-meter drop to the water. And um, I was driving home uh, about three, four weeks ago uh, at night, 8 p.m., and as I came up to the apex of the bridge heading northbound um, towards home, I see a guy um, and he's climbing up on the rail and um, middle of the bridge. I stopped my car and I, 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 I stopped the car. I put the handbrake on. I'm so rushed that I didn't even put the car into, into park. Um, and I, and I, I got out of the car and I, you know, we're talking in the middle of a bridge here. So there's traffic. I get out of the car. And I run over and I'm like, hey, mate, you know, what are you, what are you doing? Come on, come on, come on, come on down, come on down. So he, he got down. He, um, it was a spur of the moment thing. He was riding his bicycle over the bridge. He had a six pack of beers and he, was, he had a can in his hand. And um, so he came down right away. He obviously wasn't committed to doing this thing. 
um, it's just one of those moments in time that really, uh, he just was overwhelmed. And anyway, I got him down off the bridge and um, stayed with him, talked to him. And, uh, you know, found out that he's got, he's got, you know, he's mental health, obviously, but, you know, he's got drug problems and alcohol problems. He's got an eating disorder and he's got a, he's got a, 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 a hair salon. He's a hairdresser and he's just, you know, it's just, it all caught up with him at once. And it was just, just one of those moments in time that it was really, it was just serendipity. Somebody was there to, to, to help him down. Um, so, you know, and so what I'd like to do is I'd like to share a poem that, that I wrote as a result of that experience. Um, <clears throat> cause I think it's, you know, I, I know that I've, I've struggled with my own mental health. Um, and so it's, it's been, it was just really, it was a really big thing to be there for this guy. So the poem is called Tenuous. Tenuous, the grip on reality, on life, continuation, Peace. Someone lost his grip. Night. The apex of a bridge, the abyss of a mind, thoughts a tempest of pointlessness. How, what, who do we hold on to when we can't hold on to ourselves? Out of the Stygian night, a light, a hand, grip, grasp, hold, draw forth, forward, back into life. So that was, that's what came out of that experience for me. Um, so, you know, and I've, I, you know, like I said, I've struggled with my own mental health. There've been a few times when I've been, you know, my, when I separated from my wife, that was a very hard time. Um, but what I'd like to say is that it's, you know, and I, I spent a fair bit of time on the phone crying to my mother in Vancouver because I was in Brisbane at the time. Um, and what she kept saying to me was, you know, it gets better. It gets better. And it is very hard to see that it gets better when you're in the midst of it. And it's important to know that it does get better. You know, people, you, you, you can, it's just literally, you know, she said to me, sometimes it's, it's half an hour at a time, half an hour at a time, just getting that one foot in front of the next one. Um, but it is doable. Um, so there is, there is space there and, you know, I think the interesting thing for, for the fellow that was on the bridge was that he, he needs to go into rehab. He's in rehab now. He actually started a GoFundMe page and rose, raised $20,000 in three days. Wow. Um, and I talked to him on the phone because I gave the police my phone number and we're in contact. Um, and I said to him, I said, how cool is that? That many people believe in you, know you, love you enough to give you that kind of money to make sure that you survive. So I guess that's the other message is that know that there's, there are people out there that love you, people out there that care. And you might feel that you're alone, but you're not. Yeah. Yeah. And, you're, and, and you will have impact. Your, your passing will have a, a great impact on people. Yeah, there is a, uh, there's an organization called what would I miss that, deals with depression and suicide. And I'm uh, very honored to be friends with uh, the lady who started it. And I'll put the link in for anybody who wants to contact them. But basically, everybody does a video talking about what would they miss. When they approached me for it, mine was comedic. Mine was a lighter 
side of it because mine talks about tacos. You have to go watch it. I'll, I'll put the link on there. But there are some people who actually have had members who have uh, passed and who they lost to depression or and suicide. And uh, it is always interesting. It's always interesting when, when you find out who, who wants to reach out, who's going to be there for you. And it does, and for those of you watching, it, 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 it doesn't always have to be the people that are closest to you, the ones that reach out the per, at, at, at first. Um, it could be perfectly good strangers like you did. Congratulations on that, man. I mean, I, I'm, I'm so, I mean, I'm, I'm proud to be your friend, first of all, because you're so talented, but, um, to know that you have the spirit and the heart to be able to, to do that. Because uh, not everybody would, would there's a situation like that. You don't know what the situation is, yet you found your gut feeling said, "I need to help," and and you did. And congratulations, that's that's really big. I hope I hope other people take note. Um, before we continue, I want to remind everybody: Yuvia uh, Solis, who just joined us a little bit ago, uh, who I I'm on her show every other Thursday, so join us there. But I want to remind anyway, you're watching Put It Together Conversations uh, podcast. I am your host, Daniel G Garza. And my guest today is actor uh, and good friend of mine, Stephen J.F. Walker. And um, he's telling us his story uh, about mental health and helping people. And um, But um, I want to talk a little bit because we, said, we talked in your bio about like leaving acting. Uh, yeah. <clears throat> I always say, like, I, 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 I've been in and out for, no, for different reasons, but do we ever really leave acting <laughs> no no and it, and it that's an interesting thing to to hit because even though I left the industry in 89 um it was um I kind of excuse me just have some water I left because I because I realized I went to an audition I, I rang ahead to make sure they're running on time they said no come an hour later I got there an hour later and somebody came out and said we're going to see the people that we were supposed to see two hours ago I was like, yeah, no, nah, I'm just a piece of meat and I, and I don't want to be a piece of meat. And the truth is that we're pieces of meat fundamentally. Um, and, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty vision. I should have just stuck it out and gone with it and I, I wouldn't be starting again as I am. But you're right. You never really leave the industry. I've always been an actor and the, the job that I that I took on when I got to Australia was I was a professional photographer. Um and what's interesting about that is that you you get to play a role every time you walk into a shoot, whether it's a commercial shoot or I did weddings and portraits for ten years, you know. So I got to play photographer, you know, you know, you know, and you see the photographer, the the portrait photographer, ah, yeah, baby, yeah, do do da da da, yeah, that's great, just smile, turn your head a little, and I did that, and it's just, it's just so when I got to do Barone in Love's Labor's Lost in two thousand and nine. Like I said, the bug bit again. It was like there's just something about being on stage and 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 putting on, in a way, sort of somebody else's skin. And I'm gonna and Shakespeare, for God's sake, it's it's amazing language and it's it's a beautiful piece. Um, but it's just so cool to just sort of walk around in a different persona for a while and and so much fun. Uh, so, yeah. Are you a, a get lost into the character or are you easily, do you get, are you easy to jump in? Cause I can jump in, do what I need to do and jump out and I'm, I'm me again. And then there's actors that are like, while they're shooting, they're like in, in it. 
what, what kind of actor are you? I um, interesting. I did a, I did a scene from Ozark two nights ago. Um, it's a very hot scene. It's from episode seven, and they're standing there yelling. Well, they're not yelling at each other, but it's a very heated conversation between the two characters about the fact that you know she's been cheating on him and blah blah blah. And um, you know, at the end of it, he's you know I'm on the edge of tears because she says I, I you know I wanted you, you idiot. And it's like, but, and, and I can get there and then I can walk out of it. It does, it does have an effect, but I'm not, I'm not a, I'm not a method actor insofar as, you know, I, I drag up all this horrific stuff from my past and use it to inform my present situation. Cause I think that's actually quite dangerous. I think you can, you know, we're suffering enough with mental health and I think doing method acting is, is not a very healthy thing to do. So I can get into it, drop into it. I can do my thing and I can walk out, you know, and it's sort of 10 minutes later, if it's a really heavy scene, I can go, okay, let's go for beers. <laughs> <laughs> if you hadn't been an actor, what would you have wanted to be? Honestly, I, I have always wanted to be an actor. I, and the, the 26 years I spent in Australia, even though I, I was a capable photographer, um, I actually won an award for being one of the top 10 wedding photographers in 2009. Um, my heart was never in it, Daniel. And there was always that thing of something's missing. What's missing? Why is, why is this not, why does this not quite feel right? Um, you know, it's like, I'm good at it, but it's still, you know, it's like putting on a pair of shoes. They're just a little bit too small. You know, and, you know, you can wear them, but they still, you, I've got to yeah. have a sister, you know? Yeah, yeah it's like dating oh. somebody really cute with B.O. Like, you want to be with them, but, man, that stinks. So just that little stench, just a little bit bothers you, right? Um, <laughs> okay. <laughs> yes, and that, by, by the way, that is no reference to who I am currently with, just to let you know. There's, there's nothing there. Christian. <laughs> yeah, no, 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 nothing there. Um, I, after reading your bio, uh, I, there's a lot of moving around. Where where does Stephen call home? That's a good question too, because as you as you see, I, I moved around a lot when I was a kid. My father was in the military. Um, I had a very interesting infancy in that my my mother when she, when I was nine and a half months old, my mother left, oh. and then we got fifteen housekeepers in a row. Um, which was until, until I was just under six years of age, my father remarried my current stepmother, whom I call mom because she's been with me for so long. Um, and that was very impactful because I, I, I'm sure that people know that the first five years of your life is when your, you know, your psych psychology gets, you know, is, is when it gets sort of bedded down. Um, and what I learned in that first five years was that I was unlovable and worthless. And, um, and that created a lot of, that actually created what's called complex PTSD for me. Um, and I wasn't aware of that until after I separated from my wife last year and I went into counseling and I was very lucky because the woman that I went to counseling with through my, the work that I was at was like, well, this is my specialty. I, I deal in cognitive behavior therapy for people with complex PTSD. And she really, it was amazing the process and I'm a wholly different person than I was. Um, nowhere near as reactive as I used to be, but, you know, so that's sort of the beginning of things, but my, and then because my father was in the military, we moved, we, we moved from Victoria to Vancouver because my 
maternal grandmother foreclosed on the mortgage on my father's house. <laughs> She's a lovely woman. I'm like, I love her. She was a good person, but still, obviously she blamed my father for the fact that my mother left. Wow. You know, that makes sense. Um, and then when, when he finished his medical, my father was actually the first single father in British Columbia. Really? The first single father in BC. Yeah. Wow. So, um, yeah, quite, quite, uh, a major thing. So that's why he had, he had housekeepers and he was going to medical school at the same time. So uh, your, your dad was military. He was going to medical school, single father, having to move you guys. Yeah. Um, and as, as, as we know, all that energy and stress trickles down. Yeah. How did you, how did you handle all that? I probably didn't handle it very well. I actually have very few memories of my childhood. Oh, wow. Very few. Um, from 14 down, I don't remember much. Really? So I probably, that's probably how I handled it was I just, I just don't. Put it away somewhere? Locked away in a box and, you know, it's in, it's in a concrete bunker somewhere. So I do know my, I think my father, my, my, my stepmother, whom I call mom, she told me that after my mother left for quite some time, you couldn't leave me in a room by myself because I'd just scream. Wow. Which makes sense. You know, you're, yeah. you're, you're lost. Yeah. Um, anyway, so because he was in the military, so he finished his, he finished his um, university, he finished his med degree. We moved to London, Ontario. He did a year there. We moved to Ottawa in Ontario, sort of not too far away, the capital of Canada. We lived there for a year. Then we went to Chilliwack, which is about two and a half hours east of Vancouver, he was the, the base surgeon at Chilliwack, and then he retired, and we moved into North Vancouver. Um, so I've been, you know, I just, we moved around a lot as a kid. How um, does that uh, affect your friendships and connections to people? Didn't have any. I want to get, they're, they're very interesting. They're tenuous, you know, they're short-lived. You know, I don't, you know, and, and one of the things with my kids, you know, my, my daughters are 22 in February and 19. My youngest daughter just turned 19. One of the things that I vowed raising them was that they were going to have a stable upbringing. We were not going to move. So they, they always lived in the same house. They always went to the same schools. We didn't move them from school to school. Um, because my experience, of course, on top of that, I was a bookish kid. I was small, wasn't robust, didn't play sports. Um, so I got bullied consistently all the way from pay, basically when we moved to London, Ontario, all the way through to about grade eight or nine. Um, you know, when, when we moved from Chilliwack into, Van, into North Vancouver, the first day of school, I wore a pair of red shorts and I got called fag. And that stuck for two years. Um, so I spent, I spent, you know, getting home from school was one of three things I'd either stay at school long enough that they would give up. I'd get out of school as fast as I could so that I could get home before anybody caught me, or I would find a unique way home every day so that they wouldn't know which way to go. So it was, it was a hard run. Wow. We, we have a lot more in common than I first thought, which is one of the reasons I love this show. Cause I, I get to interview my friends and find out like what connects us. I was, I was bullied as, as a kid in grade school, and uh, that's when I learned the art of telling on people. 
so I, I would be in class and the teacher would leave and she'd be like, I was always in charge for some reason. I don't know why. I guess because I told. She'd be like, Daniel, you're in charge. I'm like, all right. People, they, she would leave and come back. It's like, did anybody do anything? I'm like, him, him, and him. <laughs> so, so they're like, all right, you're staying after school. So I'd be like, sorry, guys. So that was my chance to, to like, take <laughs> off. But I would go through the alleys. I would take detours and go through the alleys and so I could go home and not get harassed. So uh, yeah. I get it. Yeah, I totally get it. Um, well, I think you came out pretty good on the other side. So you're, you're I did. Dude. You know, it's uh, and, and having been through that whole thing of therapy with the complex PTSD has really made a remarkable difference. Um, you know, one of the things that 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 uh, my my counselor pointed out to me was that, you know, because I, I, I wouldn't sit in the restaurant with my back to people coming in. Mm. I just felt anxious about it, you know, and through the process, it was like, I'm fine now. I can sit anywhere. I can be anywhere. I can do anything. in it. But that came from that because you just never feel safe. The one thing positive that I can say about all those experiences that I had as a kid uh, that are similar to yours is my creativity, uh, my independence, and my abilities to to not feel lonely. Like I, I can yeah. be alone and not feel like I'm lonely. I, I can get creative. I can create all kinds of. I remember in the garage in our house in Dallas, uh, we had a, a, a table, and that's was kind of like the planet. And I was a big Planet of the Apes kid, and uh, GI Joe, and uh, Six Million Dollar Man. So I had all my. They they lived on this table. And cool. It was my imagination, which was, and I would sue my sister's Barbies so they could be captured. Um, <laughs> wink, wink. That was my, they're being <laughs> captured, mom. I don't play with Barbies. Um, but years later, we discovered the truth. But, uh, but yeah, so but I, I can, I tell a lot of, uh, when I get to go talk to schools about, um, uh, when I do HIV education, and we talk about uh, being different, being diverse. And I tell the kids, I'm like, Please hold on to your imagination. Hold on to your creativity. Yeah. Um, learn that alone does not mean lonely, and, and, and right, you yeah. you will thrive. I guarantee you will thrive. So anybody out there listening, uh, use all those experiences to your benefit, and they will come out. And that's that's really cool that you point that out because, and I've never thought about that. So thank you. Yeah, it it actually probably is what created creativity and that um, comfort of being alone because I'm comfortable being alone because when you are subject to that kind of stuff, you do have to learn how to be by yourself because you you learn that, that sometimes being with other people is not a nice place to be. Yeah. You know, so so. When, uh, we are halfway through the show, folks. I want to remind you, you were watching Put It Together Conversations podcast. I'm your host, Daniel G. Garza, and my guest today is fellow actor and friend, Stephen J.F. Walker. And I want to remind you, we have a sponsor on this show today, uh, Lung. These are longevity spice blends. Did you know that a great way to boost your immune system is with a powerful spice blend? Well, go now to Amazon.com and search for smoothie spices with 34 powerful spices or POW54 with 54 powerful spices. Your body will thank you. Longevity spice blends, your one-stop spice blend. And let me tell you guys, we actually use these at the house. Uh, these were given to me. Uh, if you guys remember... Um, uh, we had the spice lady on the show, and she uh, gifted us some. And I, I tried them because they were there, and now I use them because I really enjoy them. There is a smoothie blend that I put in my oatmeal every morning, 
and it gives it just a really nice uh, spicy taste to it. It's really delicious, plus it helps your body. Um, talk to me, call me, message me, and I will let you know my numbers. My doctor is very happy with me because my numbers are doing really well. So, Francesi, uh, Francesi just logged in. Francesi uh, uh, just made a comment saying that just because you are alone does not mean you're lonely. Yes, obviously. And right. she is a spice lady, so thank you for joining Oh, hello, spice lady. <laughs> yes. Uh, but yes, folks, go to Amazon.com and search for smoothie spices or POW54 and check those out. Uh, and if you have... Any questions, uh, get in touch with me, and I'll connect you with the Spice Lady. Anyway, thank you for joining us. Um, well, we're happy to do the show. Um, tell us more about you. Um, so, yeah, so, again, you know, jump, sort of jumping off from the acting thing, I, you know, like I said, I left the industry in 1989 and um, spent three years kind of meandering about doing this, that, and the other thing, had my own business for a while, and then... I left a relationship and my sister, um, she was, I couldn't find a job in Vancouver. It was 19, it was, it was the end of 91 and I don't know what was going on. The economy was crap or maybe I just didn't want to have a job here. I don't know. And, um, my sister said, listen, I got a real, I, I practiced martial arts for a long time. I've been doing Aikido for quite some time. And, um, I got my, I think, yeah, I had my black belt, um, at the end of 91 and, um, I, uh, my sister said, listen, you know, you, you want to do martial arts. You've always loved Japan. I got a friend of mine who lives in Tokyo, Fern, who's, um, you know, that could help you get a job. Why don't you move to Japan? And I thought, sure, why not? You know, what the hell? So I, 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 I drove taxi for three or four months, which was a very interesting experience. <laughs> Wait a minute. That was not in your bio. That is, that just, okay, keep going. Cause I've got some questions about that. <laughs> Um, and I saved up, you needed $3,000 Canadian, um, to get, uh, a working holiday visa in Japan. So I got my money, I applied for my working holiday visa and I, and I, and I moved to Japan at the end of, um, at the end of February, I think it was. And, um, I, I could, I could, there's only one thing I knew how to say, I'm mean, like, I knew how to say please and thank you. But the only thing I really knew how to say to find my way where I needed to go. Cause I was staying at a place called Kimi Ryokan. Uh, Kimi was the name. Ryokan is like a little traveler's hotel kind of thing. And um, so I got into, I got into Ikebukuro, which is on the North side of Tokyo, a large suburb there. And I, and I walked around in the rain at night going, Kimi Ryokan wa doko desu ka? Kimi Ryokan wa doko desu? Which means where is the Kimi Ryokan? Now there's an interesting thing about the Japanese people. They don't like saying no. They don't like, they don't like, having you believe that they don't know what they're talking about. So I had a lot of people giving me directions to nowhere. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, it's raining. It's not raining heavily. It's, you know, like Vancouver, it's spitting. And I finally was like, Oh my gosh, this is just driving me nuts. I walked into a bar and I just went, and thankfully this guy actually drew a little map. So I took the map and I walked out and I got in there and I, they were like, oh, you know, uh, you know, hello, welcome, come on in. Walked in, they got me, you know, they showed me to my room, you know, told me where my room was. I went upstairs and I laid out my futon and my little travel pillow and I lay down and cried myself to sleep because <laughs> it was just, it was because I left Vancouver and I had to fly to Seoul first. So it was about a 23 hour trip. And I think 
the flight to Seoul was 11 hours and seven hours into that leg, the five curlers, like, you know, the guys that go curling that were sitting in front of me had started drinking heavily when they got onto the plane. One guy threw up on the floor in front of him. So I had the smell of that for another four hours in the flight. Then I had to get from Seoul to Tokyo. Then I had to catch the, the train or the bus in from, yeah, I had to catch a bus in from, from Narita Airport, which is like an hour out of Tokyo into Tokyo. So by the time I got to my, my, my little futon, I was just emotionally and physically exhausted. And I just, I literally just cried myself to sleep. I was 29 years old. <laughs> so you, you just, I mean, okay. Like I've done some crazy stuff, definitely. But like you just decided, yeah, I'm going to go to Japan and, and drive a taxi. Was that already the intention or did you get there? No, I drove, drove taxi in Vancouver to get to Japan. Oh, oh gotcha. Yeah. I thought you went to Japan to drive no, a taxi. No, I'm like, that's okay. No, can't do that. No, those guys get trained for years to be taxi drivers. So no. what did you do in Japan? I taught English. Oh, okay. Taught English for two years there. Um, lived in Tokyo for six months. That was great. Had a lot of fun there. Um, but 14 million people in a very small space starts to get a little. Yeah. I can you yeah. just give me some space? No. So, okay. So I want to go back because I'm sure the Japan stores are really great. But I've always had a fascination with taxi drivers. Um, okay. I I just think they're one of the I mean they're, they're just the coolest people because you you get to see all these crazies because I I rode taxis for a long time when I lived in Houston I didn't have a car and I I do, and I had some of the like the coolest I had some really cool taxi drivers I had one guy who was actually a stalker kind of dude for some reason he kept finding me every day like he knew what time I get off work because I worked a night shift and like I, I felt like he knew like what time I would get off. So when I would call for a taxi, he was there. And he was just like this really obese guy. And he was always like, so do you live alone? So uh, like, can you, like I'd, li- I'd really like to have a cup of coffee with you. And I was like, but then, he would, but then he would talk about his wife. And I was like, I'm not doing a three-way with you and, the, and your wife, dude. Like, calm down. So were you like, a, what, what kind of taxi driver were you? Because like, I'm, I'm getting Al Pacino in my head, which is not the case. But... No, no, nothing like that. I actually love driving taxi. I drove Uber for a few months in, in Australia before I left. I actually really love it for the, for the simple reason that part of the reason I'm an actor is because I love telling stories, but I also love hearing people's stories. And some of the stories that you hear from people are remarkable. Um, and just, just that thing about connecting with people, it's really neat. Um, and so I, you know, and I, I have a very strong service background. So one of the things I did is back in 92, it was cassettes. You know, you had your music on cassette. So I used to take a whole bunch of cassettes with me in the car and I'd have chocolates. And so people get into the car and I go, so what kind of music do you like? Oh, well, I like such as, okay. And I could, I could stick in a cassette with that kind of music. Would you like a chocolate? This was before people had to worry about getting roofied, you know, so I, you know, I give people chocolates and stuff like that. And so I got good tips all the time because people really liked me. I even had people ringing up the taxi company going, Hey, we just had a ride with red 41 and he was really good. You know, I don't think that happened very often. But I had some fairly interesting experiences as well. One night I was driving cab and I had these four gay guys that got into my cab. I don't know where they were coming back from. And, you know, I'm driving along. And as we pull up, I pull up to drop them off. They're like, are you busy for the rest of the night? I'm like, guys, I'm really flattered, but <laughs> I got to keep driving for the rest of the night. 
I think that's what they wanted, a couple of rides for the rest yeah, of the I night. Think, I think so, yeah. For, but it was well, just, you know, and then I got some, and then I had four hookers got into my car one night, and I was blushing. Oh, my God, the things they were talking about. <laughs> it, it sounds like the beginning of a joke. Four gay guys and four hookers get into my cab. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, it, does. it sounds like a bad joke. But probably the, the, the wildest one was a woman left her wallet behind in the car. I'm actually starting to think that she did it on purpose because I remembered I, was, I found her wallet. I'm like, oh, my gosh, I got to go and get her wallet back. So I go, I pull up to the car. It's in Vancouver proper. And I, I, I ring the doorbell because her apartment, you know, I get her license out. And she comes to the door in a negligee and a glass of wine. And she's like, oh, do you want to come up? I'm like, no. <laughs> now, wait, were you, sing- you were single at the time? Oh, yeah. Okay, okay. <laughs> but okay. still, you know, I got a cab that the guy, it's not my taxi. I got to make money for this guy. But, oh, my gosh. I can, I, I mean, yeah. Because I remember getting drunk into cabs. So I can only imagine. Uh, yeah. yeah. That was fun. You know, they're, I'm going to put that as a, as a standard layer, me drunk in the cab, and they just <laughs> go from there. Yeah. They, they get, um, what, what was the most interesting thing you learned about yourself while you were meeting all these people? That's a really good question. Um, I've never actually reflected on that, so thank you. Um, I guess... Upon reflection, it's it's that I'm quite an accepting human being. I'm quite accepting of people and 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 who they are, and I think part of that. Um, so yeah, wow, thank you. That's a really cool question, um, and I think that actually goes back to you know my whole history of growing up, because part of you know you, you commented about diversity a, a while ago, um, you know, and I'm I have a very strong. Um, justice streak in me you know like I believe in justice and I get quite upset when I see injustice and it doesn't matter against whom or what that injustice is being wrought it still bothers me and so I guess the flip side of that is that I believe in people you know and I'm very accepting of of people across the board I don't really um, I don't really mind who where what anything you're as far as i'm concerned what i'm looking at when i look at a person is i'm looking at a person i'm looking at a fellow human being and i had somebody that um sort of threw something out at me out of context somewhere and i just looked at him i said but you're a person and he said yeah but i'm uh and i'm like but you're a person you know if somebody starts giving you a hard time because of how you see yourself i will stand up for you I will be there to defend you as who you are. But in without the context of that situation, I just see a human being in front of me. And that's and that's perfect. Which is takes me on to something that's it's kind of become a mantra for me. I'm actually getting a tattoo of this. Um it's 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 a Sanskrit prayer, um, for want of a better way of putting it. Uh, it's called the perfect prayer. And it goes, in English, it goes, this is perfect, that is perfect, perfect comes from perfect, take perfect from perfect, and perfect remains. And I, and I hear a lot of people going, eh? <laughs> 
I did. What what it means to me is that, and I shared this with my daughter in a in an email that I uh, in a letter that I sent her because of something she said. I can't remember what it was, but what it means to me is that where you are right now is perfect. It's not good. It's not bad. You may not like it. You may like it. It doesn't really matter. But what it is right now is perfect. And the acceptance of that actually allows you to not be caught up in any kind of an emotional response to it. Um, Alan Watts, who's a philosopher, said, you know, if you go looking for happiness, you'll never be happy because the striving for that creates it. It's, it's counterintuitive. It's counterproductive because if you're striving for it, you'll never get there. You just, you just have to accept that this situation right now is perfect. It's not good. It's not bad. It's just what it is. Um, and so that's, you know, over the last year, going through what I've been going through with my separation and my divorce. Um, that's been a big thing for me. It's just that acceptance that this situation is fine. And some days I'm like, you know what? Oh my God, I, I, I don't want to do this. I'm sick. I'm sick of being this, you know, when I get unhappy and I get sad and I get, you know, the, the actor's gamut of emotions, you know, or actually every person's gamut of emotions, I guess I'm just a bit more willing to be there with them. Um, it's just, Sometimes it gets too much. You just sort of, you, you just kind of go. When, I need uh, a scotch, actually. I think I need a really big bottle of scotch on me right now. You know, if I, if I still drank, I would join you with that. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, but I, I tell a lot, you know, for those of you watching that, in my spiritual coaching business, I, yeah. we, we, we talk about that. Sometimes clients come to me and they're going through a really tough time. And I'm like, can we appreciate the moment for what it is? And they, they look at me like I'm completely bananas. I'm like, like, work with me here. I was like, if, if you don't appreciate the moment for what it is and, and realize that you are exactly where you need to be, whether you're happy or, or sad, um, about to join into something new or leaving something old, if you don't appreciate it, you won't learn the lesson. You won't. You won't pick up what you have to pick up, and so you can keep moving forward. You keep looking over. It's kind of like if you stand there as as, as if life was a big game of Where's Waldo, and and you don't and you don't find him, and appreciate however long it took you to find it, then you you can't move forward. It, it it just won't allow you. The universe, God, the moon, whoever you pray to, will be like, nope, you're not learning the lesson yet. Let's keep you there. And so once. Once you appreciate the moment, once you know that, you know what, I am, I am exactly where I need to be right now, then you can move forward. So good, good lesson. Good for you, man. Uh, hey, everybody. So we're uh, 45 minutes uh, toward the end of the program. This is Put Together Conversations podcast. I'm your host, Daniel G. Garza. And my guest today is fellow actor and a friend of mine, uh, Stephen J. Walker. And uh, we've been talking about all this stuff. If you missed the show, remember... You can catch this. Uh, go back and watch it from the beginning. Go over to YouTube or catch it on any of your favorite podcast audio streaming services where you can find us. Um, Stephen, this is usually the time where I ask my guests to share some words of wisdom with our listeners and watchers. So, Stephen J. Walker, what are your words of wisdom? Uh, 
you got some good ones for me today, Hank. <laughs> That's why I'm on this side of the chair. Yeah, thank, thank you. Appreciate that. Um, I guess following on from what I was just saying is that it's I, I, I'll share something else, and I'm, and I'm going somewhere with this, so bear with me, everybody. Um, thank you. Um, my sister passed away 12 years ago, and um, somebody gave me a Deepak Chopra book about death. And um, um, I believe in reincarnation. I don't know how many people do or don't. Um, this is just where I come from. Um, and the reasons are, are long and and you know, because of my sort of fundamental spiritual belief system. But the, the, the beginning of the book of Deepak Chopra is, tells the story of a woman whose husband is a woodcutter in India, and he goes out into the forest, and he doesn't come back. And she goes looking for him, and she comes upon death, and she has this long conversation with him, and she wants her husband back. Death says, sorry, he's mine. Um, and I don't know how they got to this part of it, but death says to her, he says, you know, how do you know that he's dead? And she goes, well, he's gone. And um, he says, but how do you know that you're, that you're never not alive? And she says, well, I don't know. He says, can you ever remember a time? Can you ever remember a time when you weren't alive? And she says, no. And he says, then how do you know that you were ever dead? Um, and I, so I guess what it means to me is that Again, going back to perfect comes from perfect is this is what it is. And it's just perfect. You don't have to. And I, and it's dangerous saying this. You don't have to try to make it more or less than it is. It's just perfect. Um, and, and, and you can be perfectly sad. You know, grief is a perfect thing. There's nothing wrong with grief. It's a perfect thing. Because the other side of that is joy. And I know that in the, in the midst of my grief, that there were times when I was walking, you know, now that I'm back in Vancouver again, walking along the seawall here, because it's such a beautiful city in summer, and just feeling unbridled joy about being here and being happy and going, wow, this is, this is great. Um, but being careful not to claim that, because as soon as you claim something, you set yourself up for the disappointment of the other side of it. Um, and um, so I guess it's just about letting stuff go and knowing that, that this, this is fine. Um, another short, a short story. We, a friend and I went over for dinner and there's an elderly gentleman. There was a lady helping this guy sit down and he was having some troubles. And from where she was standing, she couldn't really see that he could actually sit in the chair. So I got up and it's all right. You know, I pulled the chair and he sat down and she turned around and looked at me and she goes, Oh, you took that away from me. It was like, why are you claiming it? You were doing a good thing. And now you've just spoiled it for yourself. Because that's what happens when you claim stuff. You spoil it for yourself. Um, service is an act of love for both parties. As soon as you claim it, it's not service anymore. You're doing it for a reward. And that you're setting yourself up. Because if you don't get the reward that you want, you will be unhappy. That reminded me, I'll, I'll run out of time, but I'll tell this really quick story. Uh, back in 2008, during Hurricane Ike, uh, I got to work in Galveston, Texas, uh, for Tide, 
doing laundry. They brought, they bring in these big tight trucks that have laundry washing machines and dryers and people who are in, in, uh, places that have caused uh, hurricanes and earthquakes yeah. and such. Yeah. So they come in and you do, they hire people to do laundry for people wow. in the area. So I was very, I was very fortunate to have been hired for this job. And it was my very first promotion job. Um, and we were stationed at this little laundromat in this little place called Texas City. And um, people would come to the laundromat and we were tide workers. And we're like, hi, welcome. We're with Tide. We're going to do your laundry. People have just lost their homes and everything <laughs> they own. But we're all chipper because we got to come to work today. And this woman comes in. And I can't remember if she had three or four kids. But she walks in and, and she just has that look. Like, I, this is, like, this is the only thing I have left and she walks in and I, I run up there like hi ma'am welcome we're with Tide and we're gonna do your laundry and she's like <sighs> like pretty much like screaming like shut up and because I'm all happy and she's like well let me give you some money I'm like no 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 we're with Tide we take care of that and she's like well I've got soap in the car I'm like no we we got soap for you too and she's like well I'll be back to dry I'm like no we're gonna dry and fold your clothes we'll have it ready for you and we used to wrap them up in this big, like old-fashioned brown paper, and make it look really nice and string. Cool. And yeah, we, we we just thought, like, oh my God, we're we're you're welcome, you're welcome, Gallison. We're here to save you. Yeah. And I remember just taking her card, and she was very hesitant. It took us a little while, and I don't think she was saying it necessarily to anybody, other than just saying it. But she goes, "What am I supposed to do for the next two hours?" And I remember just looking at her and like, it sunk in. Like, we just took the only bit of normalcy that she had for that day. Cause they were all staying in shelters and they just left long enough to go do laundry or Jeez. go eat something or whatever. And then they would come back to the shelter. So whatever she had in the day, this was the only normal thing that she had was to do laundry for her kids and us. All like, yay, let's do this for you. We took it from her. And that was the, that was one of the, I think that was the first time as an adult, because I was clean and sober then. I think it's the only time, the first time as an adult that I realized that, like, there's always these two sides to situations like we're talking There's these, these two sides. And I was, here I am doing my best, you know, doing it. Like, it's not just my job, it's my passion. And, and, and her only passion for that day was to do that. Yeah. And, the balance of life. So uh, I don't know if that made sense to you and everybody else, but yeah, no, that's yeah. It's you, you, you don't, we don't know. You don't know where the other person is coming from when you encounter them. And I think that's what, that's what's made my spirituality work. Um, very personal, which has to be is that I don't know where you're coming from. And I, I I've got to hold myself back. I've got to hold yeah. that. I realize that. Um, Anyway, we're coming down to the end of the show. Um, any last words before we go, Mr. Walker? No. <laughs> but, you know, life, life is a joy. Life is a joy. And it, it is, and sometimes it's little things. Somebody doing your laundry for you. It can just be something little. Um, and I guess one of the things that 
especially right now with COVID and the amount of stuff that people have got going on in their lives, I think that probably a really good thing for a lot of people to do is to just stop and look at little stuff and appreciate little things because they will be what keeps you moving forward. Um, and we're coming, we're coming close to the end of this, you know, it's, we're getting there. So that's, I guess that's what it is. Just look at the little stuff. It'll be fine. Amen. That's a good, a good way to end it. Uh, for everybody watching, you have been watching uh, Put Together Conversation podcast. I'm your host, Daniel G. Garza, with my special guest today, uh, fellow actor and, and a good friend. I, I consider him a, a good friend. Yeah. Uh, Stephen J.F. Walker. Uh, for more information, where can they find you, Mr. Walker? Oh, like I said, Google search Stephen J.F. Walker and my Instagram, my website, my Facebook, my webs, everything. I'm, I'm almost all of it. All of it. Because for you page, and I'm just kidding. That's right. Uh, My Google page. Thank you very much. <laughs> um, I want to thank you all for watching. Thank you for joining. For all the people that joined in, in the chat room, thank you for your comments. Uh, thanking my director, Mr. Christian Paul Ramirez at Little Bit Productions, my uh, producer, Kevin Moyers of No More Entertainment, my manager, Mr. Jose Reyes of Hubris Management, and my agent, uh, Ms. Jennifer Sims over at RPM Talent. Thank you, everybody, for your help and support in putting together this show. Uh, please join us. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, LinkedIn, and TikTok. Oh, my gosh. For, uh, for all kinds of information, videos. Remember that we have, uh, starting on Wednesday night, we have the Christian Identity Show at 7.30 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. On Fridays, we have the Card Devo at 6 p.m., and on Saturdays, we have uh, particular conversations at 5 o'clock with an, with an occasional nooner uh, show that we do. Uh, so make sure that you follow us on all the pages or follow us at Little Mexico Productions. We can get information on all the shows and everything that's going on. You can get all the videos there. Check us out. Uh, please send us messages. If you or somebody you know would be a good candidate to be uh, here on the show, please send me some information. Uh, you can email me at danielgiganza at littlemexicanproductions.com. And, uh, send me some information and we will, uh, we'll make it work. Uh, what's, what's your put together story? Uh, make sure you, uh, send it over to us. Remember, uh, longevity spice plants, longevity spice plants, your one stop spice plant. Check them out. Go find them on amazon.com. Uh, let the spice lady know that, uh, Daniel G. Garza sent you over there. Uh, for now, I want to thank Stephen again for joining us. Uh, we have one last message. Thank you, Stephen. Very insightful for me. I needed to hear your input. Have a good evening. Thanks again, Daniel. So there you go, people. Excellent. People do listen to me. People do watch us. Well, thank you so much for the invite, Daniel. It was great. I will, once once the COVID thing is um, settled down, I'm definitely coming down to LA. You and I and Christian can go out for a drink. Um, be nice to me because I don't drink much anymore. So. Well, remember, I don't, we don't you drink. You don't, so perfect. I don't, I don't drink, yeah, yeah. All right, I'm just going to laugh at you in my cups. I get hyper on root beer, so that's about it. Yeah, oh, cool. But, um, um, we, we have two more minutes. I want to, again, thank um, uh, John Swarbeck, our coach, John Swarbeck, for uh, bringing us together. And uh, yeah. if you guys are looking for uh, an acting coach in the L.A. area, uh, he's doing everything on Zoom right now, so he's got open classes. If you need relation on an acting coach, uh, I, I can't say better things about him. I, I've been with him since March. And I'm taking a little break right now, but I've been with him since March uh, through the beginning of November, and he has done 
some wonders with me. I thought it was a good actor. I, I really walked into that glass hockey thinking, what? And, <laughs> and I've seen the, the videos from the last several months ago. Even Christian looks at him and goes, wow. Um, and, and then if you're looking for, do, do you write for other people? Before we have one minute. I do. Though. Yep. Yeah, I Did do you write, write for other people. people. Yep. Um, write little scenes and things like that. Um, working on a short film uh, right at the moment that's sort of been on hold while I'm doing all my classes. But, yeah, I'm working on a short film. So happy to write stuff for people. Sweet. Remember, if you need a little Mexican in your stories, uh, just, okay. just say, I know one. I know I know. I know one. one, too. I just thought, you know. Uh, by the way, as soon as I record, uh, because this, the, the scene that you wrote about the breakup is going in my acting reel. Oh. So yes, I, we 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 decided that's such a good piece. Cool. We've got to put it on there. So as soon as I record that, which will be in the next couple of days, I will That'd put it on for you guys to be able to see it. So for now, I want to thank everybody for watching. This is Daniel G. Got us up for a little mixture production. Saying, "Hey, put it together." Thanks. Subscribe to Put It Together on iTunes, Stitcher, and at abnormalentertainment.com slash put it together. Find Put It Together on Facebook and tweet Daniel at Lil Mexican, L-I-L-M-E-S-I-C-A-N. And for more podcasts, comics, books, movies, and more, head to abnormalentertainment.com. You've been listening to the Abnormal Entertainment Network.